Oh, yeah, Michael DeFazio. <laughs> so here's where I thought he was going to be, mm-hmm. and here's where he ended up. Yep. Mike Ackerman. Slightly here's above. where I thought he was going to be, and here's where he ended up. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And then there's Drew. And here is where <laughs> I thought he was going to be. <laughs> and watch this. Yeah. Here is where ah, he ended just, up. You know what I just mean? Just short of where like, you thought Michael was going to be. <laughs> Application is hard. Uh, we admit it, uh, whether it's in the sermon or in the home. And so today I got some good friends, Justin, Drew, and Ryan. And we are in the studio talking about how to apply uh, not only this specific sermon series, but any sermon uh, to our lives for the glory of God. Application is tough. And uh, uh, what I want to do is want to begin to talk about that with you guys, um, and not just as preachers. I want to begin by looking at the series that we're at um, every given Sunday, last two weeks. So there, we're just two into this seven week, right, Steve? Seven week series. I think it's seven. It is. It was going to be five, and then we ended up adding a couple of sections. But in the seven week series, and so we've already heard Steve preach about worship, and then we've heard a sermon about fellowship. And I keep getting this question. I felt it after I preached it. Man, I think more application could be done. Now, that's something that we all feel. Can I get mm-hmm. an amen from yep. McGuire? Definitely. Um, and I think I could have spent more time in application. Um, realizing that something's got to give if you do that. If you're going to give direct application, you're not going to end with a powerful question. I'll go back to your sermon, Drew. The sermon that you preached in August, um, which was a really good introspective challenge, and you ended it with an interrogative. You ended it with, hey, you might be wondering like, if you have to be a part of the church, if you have to be engaged in biblical community. And then you just kind of ended it, right, with, but why would you? Mm-hmm. And, and we're all kind of sent out the door, and, we, and I think we loved it. I had a lot of people go, wow, what a great question. Um, that's really not, and not that there wasn't applicational moments within your sermon, but mm-hmm. you don't leave with five things to... Yeah. You left with a challenge that they got to work out. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the things that you did. Um, I, I don't know if that was, no, it definitely wasn't the plan that Steve and I had was to kind of leave with this reflective interrogative. But I think you walk away from the last two weeks and you go, huh, I mean, I would totally get it if somebody said, but what does that really look like? What does worship really look like? And so I'm going to begin by asking you guys, Drew, um, best glassed guy in the yeah, I still best class. I like I like both of them. I really, really do. But I, I like the white around the frames. Um, so, Drew, looking at just Steve's message on worship, how have you either applied or attempted to apply or thought through the applicational process? Because I know you. At some level, you've done this. Is that fair? Well, I've got a really firm first application step. Okay, and that go. is to... Uh, to go listen to Steve's sermon because I was gone. <laughs> I on didn't the even su- know, dude. I promise. I, promise I, I was not trying to. I was not trying to set you up for that. Uh, I love great. it. I love it. I was, we yeah, I was at another church one. on that day, so yeah. So I, I haven't heard Steve's yet. Okay, so I don't then have jump, much jump, jump to mine. <clears throat> sure. So you heard mine. Yeah. So what would you say that you have been like thinking about on mm-hmm. in terms of how you can? And, and I want to begin with the ever given every given Sunday context yep. before we jump to the practicing it in every given day. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you thought about what what community is about? Because it's not just what I preached. It's actually mm-hmm. what you are also what you also know. Yeah. How are some ways that you've thought through the applicational process on the concept of fellowship? Yeah, what does it look like to live fellowship out every given Sunday? Yeah, that kind yeah. of idea. Have, yeah. you, have you done any reflecting? No, yeah, I've done. I have some done some reflecting, and and one of the things I've thought through. You talked about how <clears throat> one of the one of the obstacles at a church like ours is just size. Um, we're not the biggest church in the world, but there's there's 
generally over a thousand people there every Sunday, and so um, that that looks different than when in the first century people gathered together in, in someone's groups home. of yeah ten to forty in people's yeah. homes. You know what I mean? And you knew every face and every name in the building and all those things. And so uh, we had things like life groups that really go a long way towards. Um, towards creating some smallness in that. We have things like Sunday school classes. One of the things I've thought through, and I still haven't even haven't sorted out how exactly to do it. Um, I, you know, on one hand, I want to be, well, I'll just explain. Paul talks about, and I love the idea of like, he tries to sit in the same place every Sunday yeah, and, and yeah. almost create. So that's Paul Weiss. I literally was going to go, yeah. you mean the apostle. Not, <laughs> yeah, that's not, true. That's so true, you're yeah. actually meaning no, Paul, Paul Weiss. Weiss. Yes. So yeah, okay. Uh, got, got it. Uh, Paul Weezy sits, he, he really, his, his idea is I want to worship with the same people each Sunday. I want to I wanna be able to engage those people before and after the message when I can. I want to be in that area. And, and that's something that as I've, I've heard him talk about and as I've thought about, I think it could be a great way for me to make smaller. One of the issues that I wrestle with is, is even trying to figure out um, I, on some level, one of, like one of the best groups would be my life group. I want to send a thing to my life group. Hey, let's sit together every yeah, week. Yeah. Um, I also feel some bit of responsibility to be sitting near our college students because yeah. I want to be able to talk to them pre yeah. and post, yeah. and then yeah. I want to be able to ask how they're doing and those kinds of things. And so I'm still trying to work out what that looks like. Um, I am trying to even like on that day, I knew we were talking about fellowship. I knew we were um, doing the fifth Sunday style communion yeah. where we all yeah. go forward and grab it together. And so um, with those things, I try to, uh, anytime we do that, I try to send out a text to our life group, hey, this is Fifth Sunday Communion. If you're going to be in second service, uh, let's find each other yeah. and get together and have communion. Uh, I want to look, I actually, I don't, I don't know if this is breaking the rules. I, I had communion twice in the second service oh, yeah. on Sunday. I did um, too. Because actually, mine was in first service, but same thing. Yeah, for that very reason. Went, yeah. went and met with our life group yeah. and then realized I was sitting next to a young man that yeah. I didn't know who was who was going to share with him so i asked him have you have you had it yet you know and i just thought dude i can't we cannot no, preach I, thing on I fellowship agree. and then i let this let this guy go up on his own and so i wanna i wanna uh i wanna live this i wanna live out what we just talked yeah. about and yeah. go and go and share the lord's supper with this guy and so and by the yeah. way i i did the same thing and i kind of recommend it yeah. <laughs> yeah i think it's a beautiful thing uh i saw someone go up by themselves who i knew and i went up and i shared communion and we prayed together yeah and, and I uh, and then did it again later because yeah. for that exact same reason. So Big. that's good. Um, I'll let you guys pick uh, fellowship or worship. What are some of the ways in which you, on your own, figured out how to apply that? You go, Jess. Okay. Um, the fellowship one, uh, same thing. I, I kind of stayed back. I didn't want to go up early. Sometimes I'll go up early just because everyone's awkwardly waiting. This time that wasn't true. People were ready to get up and go participate in communion. And I saw quite a few people go and get it alone or just as the couple that they came with and go sit back in their chair. And I just, I didn't understand that a little bit. And so I saw a couple who I had recognized but didn't know their names. And so Deb and I went up with them and said, hey, uh, what is your name? <laughs> and can we do this together? And um, so that was kind of the immediate, just like you were saying, Drew. Uh, then the other thing that I started this week was reading a book that I'd read before, but um, very good on the subject Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, just to be reminded of, I think, one of the best books on what it looks like to live within a Christian fellowship. And one of the things that he has said that's encouraged me more as well, in addition to your words, is if you 
have an idealistic view of the church or view of community. You actually want something that's not reality, what's before you and around you, yeah. that you've yeah. missed it. Yeah. And that has, I, I've seen that in me. I've seen that in a lot of people at our church um, who there's fellowship all around you, people all around you, and all you want to do is complain about what's not happening or the issues you're seeing in others. And I think that's just something that, yeah get the uh, log out of my own yeah, eyes. I yeah. help get the speck out of others. Here's my confession. Jess and I were talking about life together <laughs> yesterday, and I, I said, wow. I mean, I've loved this book forever. haven't read it for a while because I thought I couldn't find my copy. I ended up finding it yesterday. Um, how I didn't even think of this book in my preparation for mm. my sermon is an mm. embarrassment. Right? I mean, it literally, <laughs> how did you not think of life together? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. That would have been good in my sermon last week to talk about the danger of the ideal. And then think how that bleeds into the idealized version of my marriage and how that's hurting my marriage mm -hmm. or the idealized version of my children and how that's hurting my children, the idealized version of my job or my mm -hmm. ministry mm -hmm. and how that's killing my job or my ministry. Yeah. Um, I think it's a big deal. So Ryan. Oh, sorry. One more thing yeah. just uh, yeah. off of the subject, something that you said that resonates in my heart deeply. You talked about, you read the quote, I think from DeYoung that yeah. there, a strong yeah. case can yeah. be made that the brothers and sisters that we have in Christ are, are the most important relationships we have in yep. this life. And yep. and I believe that. I believe. I don't know how you read the scriptures and don't affirm that. And that's really hard when you don't have physical blood that is uh, also united through Christ's blood. Mm -hmm. And it's hard for people to understand that, who love you and in their mind have an attachment to you that should be greater than anything else. And we don't actually believe that. And so th we've been trying to teach our kids that a lot oh, yeah. lately. Yeah. And so I was just really appreciative of that word. Well, and I and what I'd like to remind people of, and I, my, 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 because my parents were coming from unbelieving families, they taught us that. And it was easy because not that they didn't love their brothers or sisters, but they quickly loved their brothers and sisters in Christ as much and more, if that makes sense. And so it was a bit of a natural thing. But what we try to do with our family, which is a little bit more in your context, where you come from a, a believing mom and dad, brothers and sisters context for the most part. Mm -hmm. So that's the context that you come from. I've always told my boys, don't love one, one another less. When you love your brothers in college or your uh, your ministry people, when you, when you love them, I'm not asking you to love your brothers and sisters less and bring it down. It's no, I need to look at my brothers and sisters in Christ and love them more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, man, however much you love your your, your blood family, it's yeah. literally mm -hmm. recognizing that the fellowship that exists around this circle is yeah. as strong as or greater than yeah. that, that level of whatever mm -hmm. it is. Yeah. And I really ache for those people who don't have mm -hmm. believing brothers and sisters. I think the reason why it's so difficult for them is because they can't even they can't even get in their minds the context because they believe the people they can trust the most are blood relatives, mm -hmm. um, and so it's really hard for them to, to overcome that. That's, Ryan, what do you got? Well, just on or that, just on that, yeah. <clears throat> it's it's amazing how how many of our own people struggle with that idea that um, that the the fellowship of believers transcends um, the love we have for for blood relatives. Um, years ago I was teaching in a class and it was on a passage about like, who are, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? <laughs> and, and I kind of, I, I talked at length on that passage about, this is why I don't take every chance I can to go to Tulsa or to Claremore to visit my family and then go to church with them on Sunday because 
though they are my my parents, my blood relatives, they're like I don't go anywhere else for Easter. I, yeah. Christmas Eve, I want to be here. Yeah. Um, and I just I just talked about that. There, we have a tendency, and, and I was speaking to a, an age group that uh, just mostly grandparents, older people, they have a tendency to idolize grandchildren and traveling to do things and this, that, and the other, and downplay, downplay. Yeah, that's a good. Our 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 body here. Our, and I'm talking. I'm not talking just like the universal church. I'm talking your local yeah. church body. Yeah. And then <laughs> after that class, uh, I went into the, to the main bathroom here. I think I'd spilled some coffee on my shirt. And so I just walked straight to the sink. And two guys that were in that class did not know I was in there, but they're over at the urinals. And I they just do- hear them talking. They dogging you? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and, and it's Love amazing it. how, it. We'll, how we'll find another reason to ignore, I think, the clear implications of Scripture because what they chalked it up to, oh, is he's just young. He'll grow out of that. He doesn't have grandchildren of his own yet. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I was probably 30 at the time and so it's a little bit of an easy target and I kind of I kind of had a a Timothy moment feeling like don't let them despise you for your youth but (laughs) what it was is it it was and no no skin off their nose I'm not trying to bash those guys I'm just saying it's amazing how we will find ways to justify preconceived notions and not submit to the scriptures yeah Um, and I wasn't asking them to hate their grandchildren I was asking them to value something else greater yeah. And, that, and I think it's important that we do that, that a, a great application on fellowship is to work hard to appreciate what God has put in front of you, particularly the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. It's are you capable of appreciating the fellowship that exists in this room? And are you willing to work at it? You know, Paul says things like in, in Ephesians 2, or 4, I think about this a lot. Paul says, bear with one another in Christ. He doesn't say, hey, like, check it out. If you feel anything, go with it. He says, bear with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which means I've got like a, and that's a, an imperative. Like I've got a command to bear with you mm-hmm. and not give up easily and not walk away from. And that's mm-hmm. really what we're calling people to. And I think sometimes we 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 completely forget that. And so in the end, we're we become even though th- those of us that don't know it, we become far more victims of how we're thinking about things or feeling about mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else in terms of a direct? Hey man, this this hit me with worship or this yeah. hit me with fellowship. You want to on the talk worship about? sermon. Um, I, ju- I just really um, came away with a wonderful sense of how transcendent God was. Yeah. I mean, that was a, that was a big part of, uh, especially Steve's um, illustrations and word pictures, was just that there's this magnitude to Him that is all encompassing, and therefore we ought to. At least this is kind of how I was processing. We ought to conclude that all of life is one of worship, and then. Um, I even liked in your kind of follow-up video the next day, if I had more time, the the discussion you two had on um, how will that affect the way that you prioritize things. And mm-hmm. and since then, um, one of the things that I've put into practice is um, I'm an early riser. I, I probably, I don't think I sleep past five ever. I, I, I don't need an alarm. I just, my body at four, between four and 4.30 says time to get up. And so I do lots of work in the morning and then, Inevitably, by the time I get to the point where I've had enough coffee and I'm kind of coherent enough to, to sit down and study the scriptures, these little minions start waking up and everything gets interrupted. And so one of the things that I've, I've put into practice over the last two weeks is I talked to Rachel and said, hey, do you care if I start going into work an hour early and I can just sit down at my desk? And it's not that I don't want to be around the kids. It's that I find this to be yeah. very important yeah. and I need yeah. to prioritize it. And I love you guys, but you're all so distracting. And um, and it's been wonderful. So I, I get to work. 
I, I make another cup of coffee. Justin makes fun of me. I go into my office with the lights off and just a little desk lamp. He calls me the he calls me an ethnically ambiguous vampire. <laughs> for whatever it's worth, um, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> nailed it, nailed it twice. <laughs> but anyway, it's been it's been so good to just have sixty uninterrupted minutes where I can control that door does not open and I don't have to answer that phone, and there's no no one coming in that needs their cereal made or whatever. And it's just it might seem simple, but to to devote and prioritize studying the scriptures and and I won't let, I won't allow myself to do any study related to teaching. That's another temptation that I have yeah, is yeah. that my devotional time is very much connected to what I'm teaching and preaching, which just makes it very utilitarian. There is something that's been worshipful for me um, to prioritize the hour between eight and nine o'clock every day, just at my desk by myself. And so that's the working out every day. What then becomes mm -hmm. fruitful on Sunday? Yeah. And the and the drawing into it. So the application was Steve gave me a picture of God that caused me to want to connect with God. So I changed this Monday through whatever X days and then that fed into Sunday, which then hopefully will spill back into. And I love the I really do love the ebb and flow in terms of how God designs this. Um, and you really, I think you see this in the scriptures, it may not be as formalized as the way that we do it in terms of we meet on this time and at this, right? I think it would have been a little little more fluid. Um, and, and again, that's we're, we're not even really saying like, the, and the way that the institutional church is actually the way that you, we're not saying that. But we, what we are saying is this concept of worship or this concept of fellowship or this week we're talking about the word and then we're going to be talking about confession and then we got, you know, uh, the sacraments and prayer. These things have an application, mm -hmm. and we need to figure it out. Yeah. Um, so then, like, why is application so hard? Why is it that? <laughs> why is it that when we look at it, and, and and I'm not just talking about like, so all you guys have taken hermeneutics, which is this the the science and art studying the science and art of of interpretation. Yeah. So all of you guys have studied interpretation. So you know that one of the most difficult things. Forget about putting it in even in, into a sermon, but just in your own study time is understanding how to go from this teaching of the Bible into how I'm going to apply it in my life. We already know that's already difficult. Mm -hmm. Why is it so much more difficult for you slash our people to begin to make those steps? Hmm. Like what are what are some of the obstacles or what are some of the barriers that we're constantly running in, into? In the context of weekly gathering to sit under teaching and through a sermon, um, I know that we all feel the burden of trying to toe the line between general and specifics yeah. yep. because, you know, at any given point, I'm not speaking to any less than 400 people. And then I got to do that again in an hour. And so I've got 35 minutes to mine a text, de derive its underlying principles and then deliver application. And usually it, it hedges on the, the side of generalities. And then there, it's just it's just hard for me as a listener. So, you know, I spend more time listening than actually doing the preaching. It's hard for me as the listener sometimes to to take the, the general admonition to do X, Y, and Z and translate that into the specifics of my life. So that's a big obstacle. Yeah, so, I, you know, I think specifics, specifics um, both help and hurt. Uh, they, yeah. they can't help, they can't hurt. Because yeah. it, it makes so much more, if I, if I just... Um, if I'm talking, so we'll say I'm preaching or whatever, and I just say, hey, so, you know, the idea is that we be selfless and that we be servants. So go out there and be selfless and be servants. If I, something that general, 
I mean, it's it's there, but it's kind of like, okay, but what does that look like? Yeah. You know, but then the moment I go, what this means, uh, guys, is that you you say get up uh, earlier and make coffee for your wife. This means that you're the first to do the dishes. This means that you're quick. Um, then everyone who doesn't have a wife is automatically off of that, right? <laughs> and, those, and those who already do that don't have anything to do. Yeah, or teenagers <laughs> don't have it. You know what I mean? And yeah, so yeah. the specifics really does help. And I find when people can get specific with me, the speakers who can get specific uh, to my situations really does help me think through stuff. But you get too specific and you start to alienate out. And so that's why you, you, you almost have to, if you're going to get specific, you have to get eight different kinds of specific yeah. um, in, in, in talking to this. Thing, and right? even with eight kinds of specific, then if you don't hit me, yeah. right, yeah. I still have to know one of two things. Like, yeah. you know, I, I can either go, you didn't hit me. Sorry. Yes. I don't know what to do with this. Yeah. Or, or you can say, okay, you gave me eight options. I think I know where you're going with this. That's yeah. a little bit of the yes. beauty of specificity. Yes. Is I saw, okay, I saw how you, and you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do this. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I saw how you applied that to the single mom. I saw you how you applied that to the 16-year-old high school student. I saw how you applied that to the grandparents trying to figure out what to do with Christmas and whether or not they go to the, I saw how you applied that with those yeah. three or four. I think I can figure out what to do with a 51-year-old guy who's actually in a good marriage, yeah. married 30 years, empty nester. Yeah. You gave jump. me enough that I think yeah. I can fill yeah. in the gap. Yes. And so there's still going to be some work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I, I love how – I hope that you heard that. I want to make sure that didn't just disappear. The, the beauty of generalization is that it kind of applies to everybody, but it doesn't really kind of get down to it. But you kind of love every – you need to be more selfless and giving. Yeah. So here's how you work it out, and we give you a couple of contexts, and if you don't got it, then you either nail it or miss it. Yeah. That is a really the, the, the dangers of generalities or the dangers of specificities. It's a little bit of a, you know, pick your poison. You want to yeah. know, know another scary. difficulty? Some texts don't really have application. Like, yeah. how many of, how, yeah. how yep. hard yep. was it yep. in the last 10 chapters of Acts? Yeah. To, to I mean, there are... It's almost like now we're looking for implications because there's very few direct applications. And, you know, there's so many passages where, you know, if we're going back to the hermeneutical language where, well, these are really just like indicative passages. They just say things about God and the only application might just be to glorify his name. Yeah. yeah. And that's not a, that's not, we're not just talking preaching here. We're talking about if I'm sitting alone with my Bible in the morning, I read Acts 27 and I go, okay. I know the next time the Apostle Paul says, don't set sail because we might get a shipwreck, I won't do that. But other than that, I don't know. What do I do with this? Yeah, it can be hard to figure those things out to to, to try and sort through, especially if you're reading in smaller chunks rather than the big big swath of Mm -hmm. of Scripture to be able to see what what the the point is. Or for uh, for that matter, many of the Psalms don't really have a lot of, now go do this with your hands. It's more... Like bury this in your heart and reflect on it, kind of thing. And so, but how do we, how do you bury it in your heart? Like, well, you, 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 you do, don't. But you know what I mean? Like, that's the issue, right? It's like, but how do you? You can always ask that question, mm-hmm. and so it becomes a little bit of this chasing after the wind. I, I get yeah. it. I under I, I wrestle with that. I still do. I still wrestle with some of those applications. I would even say this, and, and this we might have to come back and talk about this because we didn't plan for this conversation. I'm the opposite of what you just described. I don't. I don't necessarily um, find direct application very helpful for me. Yeah. I would rather you talk big picture. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would rather, I like the working it out. 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I like the working it out. I kind of, I, I feel like at times, and not that I can't appreciate it for others, right? So I don't go, hey man, you didn't hit it on my nail and so, or the head of my nail and so, you know, it didn't help me. Yeah. I I'm not saying that. But when, when people get into the minutia, so to speak, mm-hmm. they begin to lose me a little bit. Yeah. And I would rather them give me big ideas. And I kind of, I kind of like, but why would you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like walking away going, that is good, man. Like why, you know why I would? Cause I'm selfish. You know why I would? Because I'm satisfied with other things. You know why I would? Okay. So what do I do? I mean, I love, yeah. love, 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 mm-hmm. love that. Um, and so that's, yeah. that's kind of interesting. And, and when we're preaching guys to the 502 services, 458 in both services, um, there's some of there's some of one and then there's some of the other. <laughs> and yeah. I would even say on any given Sunday, depending on the topic, you and I could even switch spots. Yeah. Where you, man, I'm so glad that was open ended. I'm like, you know what? I'm kind of glad he gave me some application. So <laughs> it's not even a uh, you know a one size fits all. Yeah. Kind of a piece. Philip Carey says that the application part of a sermon is the most boring part. And so why would we spend so much time doing it when we have an opportunity to remind people of the God that we serve and the story that he's weaved together through the scriptures and through history and time? And so, you know, that has value. I think I I used to be the guy that, hey, we need to be more specific. Hey, we need to get more into application. And reading him and, and just a reminder that is it an overstep on my part to say, you know what, I'm not gonna let you work this out as you submit to the scriptures and the spirit works that out with you. I need to tell you, mm-hmm. this is how you're supposed to respond to this word. There's a little bit of a, it, for me, it can be almost an arrogance and a pride to assume like, I know how you need to work this out and win yeah. rather than putting the word out there and letting mm-hmm. that come to illumination by the power of the spirit within the believers that, that are hearing it. Yeah, I would, but I think we have to make, I, I, I like that. I think we have to let that remain a little yeah, proverbial, you, though. Yeah, you don't disagree, but but like yeah, it, like Paul says in Second Timothy that the the scriptures are useful for teaching and for exhorting and for rebuking and for training in righteousness, and that implies instruction yeah. given yeah. from the one using the scripture. Not yeah. these things are useful yeah. for you to do these things to yourself. Yeah. They're useful mm-hmm. for you or for whoever's bringing the word to bear on someone to do these to them, and so. Yes, and yeah. so it's a, it's got to be a little bit of a proverbial. Don't don't hedge everything on application, but we don't just go to you know a public reading of scripture with no preaching whatsoever. That gives kind of some direction. Like people trust you for yeah, a good yeah, reason. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, and it's even this. You know, it's funny because you've heard me say this. Mark Scott would tell us, "When in doubt, just read the text." Um, there are some texts that are easier to leave it like that. Um, I think that we could at times, and, I, and this is why I love the words of Christ that are that are for in many instances, rather clear. Yeah. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust and thieves and blah, 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 but store up, or things on earth, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. I mean, you can kind of, amen. Okay, let's pray and let's go, you know. So there are those, and then there are, and the man of lawlessness shall come, (laughs) and you're in 2 Thessalonians 2, and you're going, hey, you might want to help me out with that one. So it's even good differentiating between did you just... Did you just kind of take a vague or an unclear text and not try to apply it? Or did you try to over-apply a rather clear text? And so there's yeah. all these nuances yeah. that, um, that, that I think come, come to the table when we're, when we're preaching and teaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, uh, the two in the spectrum, you know, there is the, and I think what, what uh, Ebert is kind of like 
pointing towards the caution of is is we can it, we can spend so much time talking about what we ought to do that we forget to give people any of the actual power or motivation yeah. to do it by yeah. focusing on yeah. who Christ is, yeah. what he's yeah. done yeah. for us and those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. If all if if all I walk away with is man, I need to be a nicer person. I which, need to yeah. serve more. Which is what a lot of churches end up basing all of their sermons yeah you know it's like now we've moved to here's how to be a good husband application here's how yeah here's the a sermon on being a good husband a sermon on being a good mom a sermon on and those kinds of things and you rob you know i mean you uh yeah you rob people of the chance to have like a a joy in jesus that motivates those actions when you don't talk about those things um the other end though you know i remember uh uh tolian uh, used to, he was a guy who got pretty big preaching in like the 2010, 2009, that area. But Billy Graham's grandson. Yeah, that's right. Billy, yeah, Billy Graham's Billy grandson. Graham's grandson. And he had like a philosophy that was you never, you never give a command or an imperative in your sermons. All you do every week is preach the gospel. You talk about what Jesus did and, and what he's done and, and who he is. And then you just leave it at that and let, and let yeah. that flow, naturally flow out. Trust into right yeah. living you trust the spirit because otherwise you get into moralism and legalism yeah. and yeah. all that yeah. stuff and and there's like i, I think a, an overstatement yeah, on that's that an overstatement. because yeah. paul yeah. paul has no problem <laughs> giving straight up applications yeah. based on who yeah. jesus is yeah. and what he's done and yeah. here's how yeah. you live this out you kick this guy out of the church you you make sure you wait for the brothers so that we can all take communion together you you know yeah. what i mean he, he has a lot of little practical instructions that yeah. he gives you know he says you know preach nothing but christ and then he does a lot of other preaching yeah as yeah the implication of what the cross of Christ is really about, right? Yeah. And so it is a both end, and it's it's knowing when. It's yeah. knowing how to figure it out. And that's the part that I even like for us. It's, uh, it's interesting how much this is even like parenting. So you can apply this. To apply everything to your child's life as you're teaching them on how um, doesn't really get the job done because general principles are mm-hmm. needed in terms of the why. Yep. Yeah. You know? But there are some people, you know, th- this is this is one of the things. We, we went to a conference a long time ago, a 3DM conference in St. Louis, and we began to hear about how to do discipleship. And they gave us some incredible pictures of discipleship that we still use to this day about how to recognize and respond to the Spirit and how to recognize and respond to what the Spirit is saying and how He is working in our lives. And I sat there, and it was a... It gave a language and it gave some pictures to what was going on in my heart from the times that I was a child. And I was so indebted to that. And then I went into one of the groups where they were talking about it, where they were applying it. And I realized that one of the reasons why I was able to do that was because I had a wealth of information and I had a wealth of tools to do what they had given me a picture Mm -hmm, of. mm -hmm. And I'm watching other people that didn't have that toolbox Mm-hmm. And they were just like, okay, and they were misapplying it and they were misusing it and they were they were not getting it. Mm-hmm. And I remember going, huh, what what is the difference? Yeah. And the difference is was kind of the wealth that was there. Mm-hmm. So my point is this. How do we encourage our people who some of them are at a level, they have a great toolbox. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if we're trying to give an application and think about how so here is how you fix this thing on your car. That has to assume, one of the reasons why I don't do a lot of car maintenance is I have none of the tools. I I, I don't know how, I don't even know where it is, and I don't have any of the tools to even take it apart. It's amazing how you gotta take 17 things off the engine before you can get to the one thing that you even need to replace. And so I go, yeah, I'm paying for this. I I don't know how to do this. So there are the tools that are necessary. So as we 
as we you know kind of bring this somewhat to a close and we try to talk about so how do we help apply how do we talk about this how do we think about this realizing that every sunday you i've got a drew moss that's listening to me and i've got somebody else who doesn't have the the wisdom the maturity i, I love to think about this i sometimes feel overwhelmed by the fact that when I say, hey, here's how you need to go love one another in your marriage, some people go back to someone who doesn't love them, mm -hmm. who is um, at best not abusive, but that's the best thing that I can say about my husband or my wife. Mm -hmm. And I'm giving them, I'm, I'm sending them into the lion's den saying, be nice. And it's like, yeah, but the problem is I've got lions chasing me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's a that's a big element. So what do we do? And I'm talking about from the congregational yep. side. What yep. advice do we give them if they're if they if they literally are going, I'm I'm trying, but I'm drowning here, and all you're doing is describing the water to do a great Jack Nicholson quote. <laughs> I'm drowning here and all you're doing is describing the water. How do we help people? who maybe who don't have the tools and the sermon didn't provide the specific application yep. that nailed it what what do we tell them help let's let's apply this in in real time to our people I, I, I mean two things i think of is number one i hear a lot of people you know after a sunday or a message say you know i hear what you're saying but this 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 and this yeah. and i know a lot of people that i'll I'll follow that up with a conversation about, so tell me how often you're thinking about this or pursuing this outside of this moment here today and that answer is pretty low. And then I think, and I ask them about, okay, so are all the thoughts you have about God outside of this place here on Sunday your thoughts, or are they his own thoughts that he's given to us through his word? So those are two two things. And so um, are you thinking about this outside of what's happening for an hour on Sunday and the 10 minutes you came up and talked to Jim? And are you letting only your thoughts drive that? Or are you letting the word of the Lord come over that? And I think, you know, using your mechanic illustration, if you did, Jim, want to decide to be a mechanic or at least be able to oh. do some of the stuff on your own, you would have to have someone teach you oh, and man. show you. Yes. You would have to, like, start reading some, some books and watching some videos and invest in some tools. You'd invest. <laughs> I but I would. I'd have to go to Lowe's and I'd have to go, I can't buy that. I got to buy that. It costs time, money, and energy. And it co it's going to cause you to reprioritize things in your life so that you can actually yeah. do this. And if yeah. you don't devote significant time to this on a regular, consistent basis, it's just never going to happen. And, I, and everyone kind of gets that about everything in their life, except somehow we make a disconnect with God. Yeah. Yeah. And that somehow we believe that this is just going to magically happen and that he's not waiting for us to use the gifts and the opportunities before us that he's given us to actually cultivate what he's made for us to be. Yeah. And one of those big gifts is the fellowship we just talked about, yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. you know, I don't, I'm not a mechanic either. I'm, I know how to do basic car maintenance, but when my starter went out a few years ago, I had to call, I had to call in an expert. I called Kyle Ambrose and said, come teach yeah. me what yeah. to do. Yeah. And he helped me. And um, I think we can look to the fellowship and, and whenever we're, we're confused or when, when something isn't clicking, we say, okay, given the people I know, who can help me? Like that's, that's what the fellowship is. The fellowship is not trying to flatten out a community so that yep. we're all yep. the same. Yep. It's leveraging gifts and abilities and passions and, uh, and, and all for the like collective benefit. And so... You know, I, it is, I'm not saying that uh, go consult your nearest pastor. I'm saying, you know, talk to someone in your life group, Yeah. you know, and, and when, when that stuff gets down to those who know you personally, then like, it, it's amazing how people in my life group can see my life so clearly in even ways that I can't, I'm almost too close to it. And they're like, oh, let me tell you something about you, Ryan. And yeah. collectively at that small 
fellowship level. Yep. We we like we the ball moves further down the field somehow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Drew, what do you want to add? Okay, let me give you. A, I'm gonna try to give like a principle and then give you sort of like a real life example for our people if sure. they're reading yeah, the Bible. That's awesome. So I think one of the ways that you will be able, most likely, to be able to apply almost any part of the scripture as you're sitting and doing your Bible reading is asking the question, "What does this teach me about?" God or Christ, the Holy Spirit. What does this teach me about the triune God? And how do I align my life up with that truth about God? Um, so, so, you know, to take kind of a fairly normal example, I don't know, common example, um, Mark 4, Jesus calms the wind and the waves. He calms the storm for the disciples in there. And our temptation, because we have a hard time figuring out how to apply a story yeah. like yeah. that, that doesn't yeah. have a yeah. A, a command and an imperative is to spiritualize those texts mm-hmm. and to go, you know, the, the yeah. you know, the stereotypical Jesus will calm the storms in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you can slay your giants. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or David, yeah. Which that's actually that a that's not what it teaches. Sometimes Jesus sure. was just going to let you hang in the storms yeah. because he's got yeah, something yeah, he yeah. wants you to learn it. So yeah. so don't try and take this story and spiritualize it. You know, the question is more. What am I learning about Jesus in yeah. this story? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then if you back out and see the rest of it, you see right after. After that, he's healing, or he's casting demons out yep. of a demoniac. He's healing a woman who's been sick that no doctors could Fix, heal. Yeah. And he's raising a woman or a young girl from the dead. And so, you know, we, we've talked <laughs> about this. But Mark's point here yeah. is Jesus has power over weather. Jesus has power over spiritual forces. Jesus has power over physical realm sickness. And he has power over death. And so this idea is I'm learning what it tells me about Jesus, which is there is nothing that he does not have power and control over. He's Lord over all things. And now I look at that, and then I start to go, and how do I align my life up with that? And so I go, what this looks like then for me is is to live a life of less anxiety. Uh, to to live a life in which I want to I want to submit what I want to him because I know that he's got control over all things. Yes, so rather yes. than just seeking what I want in life, I'm going to trust the guy who's in control of all things. Yes. And and by the way, even now as I'm saying this, I go yeah. And you're still going to have to do a little work of going. What is the specifics yes. of trusting yes. Jesus look yes. like in my life? That's mm-hmm. where I enter yes. into community and yes. go. Hey, where do I need to do this? Um, that's where I, I have to practically work through. What does it look like to live without? with less anxiety and more peace because Jesus is in control of all things yeah. um, or, or more submission because Jesus is in control of all things rather than trying to find spiritual, uh, spiritual Nuggets. morals. Yeah. yeah and all yeah, the yeah, things yeah. just yeah. going, what does it tell me about God mm-hmm. and how does my life need to line up with God? And then I can start to talk to people about how I do that. But, but I think that goes along instead of always going, um, okay, so what do I do with this story? What do I do with this story? Start first with, what does this tell me about God? Because that's what the Bible's trying to do. Yeah. And then what do I do with that, with that piece of So God's this Sunday, I mean, I hope you get it. So actually, whenever you get this, this Sunday, so it could be in a few days, it could be in a week, I don't care. This Sunday, write those two things down in the bulletin. What does this message on sacraments, so the Lord's Supper and baptism, what is this text about? You, you pick it. Fellowship. Go back and listen to Steve's sermon, right, Drew? Yeah. What does Steve's sermon tell me about God? Mm-hmm. And then how do I align myself with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and and work that out. And, and honestly, this is the thing that happens. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, remember when your kids come to you, Dad, I couldn't do it. Did you try? Well, no. But I just don't think I can do it. Mm-hmm. Tell you what, go give it a shot and then call me in yeah. 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's something that I believe that teaches us about trusting or relying on yeah. the Word of God or trusting or relying that the Spirit will make those connections, mm-hmm. will help me with those connections. I believe that. So the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and then alongside the people of God, like you got to give it, you got to begin to work in the process. you got to own it. you got to, Jesus actually says, 
How could you know who I am and obey my word if you, A, are satisfied with humans' understandings and with human accolades to you, it causes you to not seek. He says that in John, in John 5. That causes you to not seek. Yeah. And so part of the problem with the application is they're not seeking what Steve taught us about God. They're not seeking what those Bible lessons mm -hmm. taught us about. And then they're not seeking to align themselves because they think it's going to be more magic. It's going yeah. to be more of an answer instead of a way or a journey. Um, and I, I think that, you know, your application, Drew, is so good. What did this teach me about Jesus? What did this teach me about the triune God? What did this teach me about the Christian life? And how do I begin to align myself and start there? Mm -hmm. And then, Ryan says, invite other people. Um, have conversations. You know, we say this every Sunday, and we mean it. If you want to continue this faith conversation, um, and by the way, it, it might even be good to say, hey, three weeks ago you said X, and I'm still trying to apply that. Can I talk about that? The answer is yes. Mm -hmm. So it's not about just what I've said the last few minutes. It's like what God is doing in your life, and how do we do that? Um, one, one last thing I want to add, um, and then I'll give you guys a, a chance to respond to this. I don't think we are, we are uh, vocal enough about just how much time this takes to develop mm -hmm. in people. There was a guy that um, I was working with years ago, and his life was a mess because he had lived for about a decade making it a mess. Mm -hmm. And he looked at my life, and he said, man, my life, your life's not a mess. I wish I had your life. And I said, okay, well, by the way, it took me 29 <laughs> years, and that's like since high school or whatever. It has taken me a long time to get to here. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's not magic. It's not... Then I want to have not have anxiety. Can you tell me what I can do? So this afternoon, I would not have anxiety. It's like, no, but I can tell you like a way of living that when you trust and when you, you will learn to have peace. Mm -hmm. So we, Andrew and I do this a lot with young couples. So little babies, right? You, you show up at our doorstep. Kids are crying. Rachel's crying. <laughs> I don't know what to do with them. And we're like, oh, yeah, how old are they again? And how old, how old are the kids again? Six, One, five, seven. Six, four, and four months. Oh, yeah. So, and you could give me, and I would, Andrew and I would look at you, and we're not being condescending. We would go, oh, yeah, yeah, we remember. <laughs> but what do you do? Because I don't think we can. I mean, actually, one of the things you do is you feel overwhelmed. That's yeah. one of the things that you do. <laughs> and then you just keep doing the faithful things along the way. And then you find, after a very, yeah. very long time, as you trust the Word of God, as you do, you will find peace that will come. Yeah. And so often we hear that, Drew, and we go, man, what's the secret for no anxiety this afternoon? Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if you'd been planting seeds and had been applying these yeah. truths, mm -hmm. if you'd been doing that for seven years, you would, I, I believe this, you would be, everything else created equal, you would be less anxious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's the, the myth. Right? More hopeful. The, you would be. The idea of accelerated maturity is, is a myth. I just, I can't fathom how that works and and i'm i'm often drawn back to this famous phrase amen <laughs> this fa this phrase made famous by eugene peterson is that what the christian life calls for is a long obedience in the same direction and then just 20 years from now you're going to turn around and say wow i'm i'm considerably more mature rachel married me when i was 21 i had been a believer for a year and a half I'm almost not the same guy today i'm almost 35 <laughs> and things have like she's married to a different man today you know, this is how I don't know if it sure. made it in her cuts, but this is the thing is like I, I and I, I'm just I'm not even going to kid around about this. I had no idea that I, I thought that Drew Moss was an amazingly kind and gracious, um, relatively intelligent, 
Um, I mean, you were, you're smart, yeah. right? You were all of these things. I had no idea the man that God was going to turn Drew into. Or I, I could say the same. I've known you for a long time. I had no idea the work that God was going to do. Um, to try to think that somehow that was done overnight yeah. is foolish. And so, um, and I don't even want, I mean, I, I love this. This is, I think, why Paul says, follow my example as I follow Christ. And we're not putting ourselves, I mean, I think some of us are, but kind of collectively, we're not putting ourselves out there enough. There are so many people that are like, will you teach me and will you help me? And the answer is what? Yes. Like, what are you doing to seek? And what are you doing to apply? Yeah. And then let's get together and figure out how this works. And then let's keep doing this. It's one of the reasons why I left the college. I left the college because I needed to do this. Yeah. I really did. Now, by the way, I could have done it at the college at some level. I knew you were going to leave. See, this is what you don't know, and I'm now going to f- confess this publicly. I planned this from the <laughs> beginning. I came here so that I might spend my life with Drew. <laughs> there you go. Amen. Go. Amen. 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 Well, in, so, in part, that, that really does connect well to even the title of our current sermon series is Every Given Sunday, which yeah. implies like a, a brute monotony that every single <laughs> week. And then the subtitle is practicing for every given day, yeah, yeah. you know, for the rest of our lives. And it, 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 I, I shared your, your conviction, too. I, I'm tr- attracted by the idea of like the professor route. But what attracts me more is the idea of doing life with this community for a long time, mm-hmm. you know? There may not be such thing as accelerated maturity, but there is such thing as stunted maturity. And so when people actually begin to grow and live in the way God intended, they think, oh, wow, I've been missing something. But it's not because they're in some kind of catalyst huh, yeah, program. Yeah. They're actually just now living in the way that God had always intended for them to live. And they're growing in the way God has always intended for them to grow. Yeah. So much of our life is spent living the way we want. And to assume we're going to mature in the way God intended when it's us directing the ship is foolish. Jerry Seinfeld, the great theologian, said it best. <laughs> he said, you know, I don't, one of the things that I do, um, I, I don't like follow infomercials on, on how to be healthy. I just, I walk up to somebody that seems healthy and I go, hey, what do you do? <laughs> and there's, I, I, I always think about that. I always think, and I do that actually. Like Some I remember there, there have advice. been people, there have been people that have been godly that I, I just wanted to be with. And then I got to spend time with and their holiness, truly, their holiness rubbed off. Mm. And I, I believe that's called fellowship. So there we go. So, man, we would, uh, I'm going to say it, we would love to continue this faith conversation. Seek us out. Seek out wise men and women um, in which you can pursue them and be blessed by them. And in the process, I promise you'll be a blessing to them as well.